Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, and welcome in to Week 12, the 4-7 and seven Washington Commanders traveling down to Dallas to face the Dak Prescott-led Dallas Cowboys, who are 7-3 and three on Thanksgiving at 4.30 in Eastern Time kickoff. Look, guys, to jump off the jump, look, the expectations for me heading into this week are null. I've said it before in prior games, in prior lead-ups to games, I don't know what to expect from Washington's group this week. Do I expect them to play better? Yeah, they usually show up against better teams. Why is that? Who the hell knows? That's maybe a want from an individual perspective because there is talent in Washington's roster. But when you look at this game as a whole, is there anybody giving the Burgundy a goal to shot this week? Hell no. Maybe the people in Washington, myself, trying to think positively, you guys, trying to think positively about this roster. But at the end of the day, Dallas, at home, has been pretty damn good in 2023. Now, since their loss to the Eagles two weeks ago, three weeks ago, excuse me, November 5th, they beat the Giants at home by 30-plus, and they traveled last week to Carolina and beat the Panthers by 23. And when I look at Dallas at home this season, back to the beginning of the year, home against the Jets, they scored 30 points. Home against the Patriots, they scored 38. Home against the Rams, they scored 43. Home against the Giants, they scored 49. And now they play Washington on Thanksgiving. So they are going to score points at home. Now Washington has only won one game in Dallas since 2016. That game came on Thanksgiving in 2020, the COVID year, when they ran over Dallas 41 to 16 under a national spotlight, which was beautiful. One of the more memorable wins in my opinion over the last handful of seasons for the Burgundy and Gold. Now, do I expect that to happen this year? I would love it to happen this year. Washington and Dallas. It used to mean something. It used to be a rivalry. I think back to 2012 and Washington sealed the NFC East playing against Dallas at home on Sunday Night Football. That meant something. I wasn't alive for the old Redskins and Cowboys rivalry at RFK against Aikman and Irvin and Emmett Smith and Tom Landry, all those guys, all the way back to Roger Stallback, those dudes. I wasn't even alive for that. That's when the rivalry was at its best. The rivalry, I don't know if it exists anymore, guys, because the rivalry has to go back and forth, and both teams have to have some sort of success to have a rivalry. You could say the Eagles and Dallas have a rivalry, You could say the Steelers and the Browns or the Ravens and the Steelers, that type of stuff. That's a rivalry. But right now, looking at Dallas and Washington, yeah, 30, 40 years ago, probably it meant something. But as we sit here in 2023 in week 12 where Washington, I mean, what's the path forward? Because in my mind, there may be changes after this week. They go down to Dallas and give up 35 plus again and lose by two or more touchdowns. I don't know if Jack Del Rio makes it home, and I don't know if Ron Rivera makes it home. Guys, conversations I've had with scouts in Washington this week and personnel are that tensions are extremely high. 
in Ashburn this week. Nobody really knows what's going on. They keep a tight lip, guys, up top. Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, the ownership group, they keep very, very tight lips as far as what's going on, not just from a major personnel decisions, but from a transaction standpoint as well because you guys saw Shaq Leonard be released from the Colts yesterday, and I know some of you guys are probably saying, well, Washington needs linebacker help. Is that an interest there? Most likely not going to happen, guys, because the money that he's owed and looking at this defense right now, with most likely Cody Barton coming back for Thanksgiving because he's practiced all week long. Now, you might not have Emmanuel Forbes. He's battling an elbow injury and hasn't practiced all week. So we'll see on that front. From Dallas's perspective, everybody looks relatively healthy. If you're new here, first off, welcome. This is a hell of a time to join because there's going to be a lot of emotion with this football team moving forward and what we're going to be talking about. More than usual what we have here. But today, we're previewing the Dallas Cowboys. Offense, defense, special teams, and how Washington can take advantage of this, specifically, defense, to where they can make some plays and keep this team in the football game, hopefully. If the defense can get maybe two or three stops in this football game in high-leverage situations. Not in the first quarter, but specifically in the, in the second half. They gotta get stops in this football game. They're not gonna run it down your throat. That's not what Dallas has made to do. They're going to drop back with Dak Prescott and the weapons on the outside, and they want to pump targets in the intermediate areas, and they're not going to be afraid to stretch it on the field. This offense for Dallas is talented. Are they as talented fundamentally as Washington? I would say no. Personally, I would say no. I would take Terry McLaurin over CeeDee Lamb. I would take Jahan Dotson over Brandon Cooks. And you can make the argument yourself whether you have Curtis Samuel or Michael Gallup. That's their top three receivers. Now, tight ends-wise, they got Luke Schoonmaker, who they drafted in the second round out of Michigan, and they got Jake Ferguson. Their tight ends are better than Washington's because all Washington has really is Logan Thomas as that flex weapon. John Bates is that wide tight end. Cole Turner has been active last week, really not involved at all. Running backs? Brian Robinson, comparatively to Tony Pollard. I like Brian Robinson a lot. Tony Pollard gets a lot of sexy attention because he plays for the Cowboys. He's that three-down weapon, that former Memphis talent that we have ourselves in Antonio Gibson. We'll see if Antonio plays this week. We will see. Not going to make any assumptions right now with him battling injury. But from a talent perspective, skill player-wise, I like what Washington has. Of course, Dak Prescott has more experience, but Sam Howell's had a hell of a year. And with a national spotlight on his game, I think he's going to show up well. Now, all his success is going to correlate from the offensive line, and we're going to get to the names to know along the defensive front for Dallas, who you're already thinking about Micah Parsons. Of course, everybody knows who Micah Parsons is. But there's more guys along that unit that can get after Sam this week. So let's get into this Dallas roster. Again, 7-3 and three winners uh, of 1, 2, 3, 4 of their last 5. Their only loss came on the road, and they lost by 5, 28-23 earlier in November at the Philadelphia Eagles. So this is a good football team, guys, and they're striving not only to keep pace with the Eagles in the division for a divisional race, but they want to keep their spot as a wild card uh, favorite to be that fifth or sixth seed in, in the NFC race. And right now for Washington, it's more so you win this game, you potentially steal this game, and maybe the tide turns a little bit on the 2023 campaign because right now all my focus is on this defense. Where do we go with Washington's defense? How can we expect them to keep Dallas under 40 after allowing 31 to frickin' Tommy DeVito, guys? 
that's where my worries come. That's that's where they show up, right? And they, and on a national broadcast, a national spotlight. You guys remember early in the year Washington's lone national spotlight game, 40 to 20 at home on Thursday night football against the Chicago Bears. And we can go back into years past in prime time to where Washington just completely craps the bed on in prime time. Seemingly every year. It's why they don't get primetime games. Not only because you're not winning football games, but you're just not even competing on primetime. Every team usually has at least one primetime game a year. Every team has at least one. But every year, Washington shows up in primetime and just completely craps the bed. You can think about here or there games where Washington showed up in primetime. Think about the Kirk Cousins touchdown, three or four touchdown game, whatever it was against the Packers years ago in the wind at FedEx Field. I talked about Washington on Thanksgiving. Those certain games, you can think about Washington played well. The old Monday nighter against the Chiefs when Alex Smith was quarterback in Kansas City. The Josh Dotson drop in the end zone. That type of crap. Those are games you can just pick out over the last five, six, seven, eight years of football. It can't be that way, guys. So again, I don't know what to expect from this roster this week. I hope they show up and compete. I think they will. I think specifically Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, if they go out and lose this game by two plus touchdowns, I really just don't see how changes are made up top moving into now week 13 next next week, excuse me, to when you're hosting the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field. So let's get in to this Dallas roster. Dak Prescott is the quarterback. I don't, I'm not going to spend too much time there. Talented guy, but he will put the ball in precarious situations at times. Again, I mentioned at the top, Manuel Forbes, We'll see if he plays this week, but I think Washington's corners and secondary as a whole are going to have a chance to make some plays this week. He's going to want to stretch the ball a little bit. He's going to have some arrogance. He sees this Washington defense not able to stop a nosebleed. He's going to want to go into Thanksgiving and put up 350 yards and four touchdowns. That's what they're going to want to do this week, guys. They're not looking at Washington as a scary defense. They see this group, oh, well, no more Montez, no more Chase. Oh, we we can holster Duran and John. We're going to light everybody up. That's what Dallas is thinking about right now. So Dak Prescott can absolutely do that if he has the time. You have to create pressure in certain ways and be unique within your front seven to get guys in his face. And if it's not working, try something else. Don't be static in how you're sending pressure in number four's face early in this ballgame. The running back position, Tony Pollard, as I mentioned at the top, got a three-down weapon, former ex-weapon at Memphis, just comes in and... He's their leading ball carrier, and then they want to use him in space. He'll probably get four or five targets a game, or some games he'll get six, seven, eight, nine targets. Never know. And if I'm Dallas and I'm seeing how Jamin Davis and Cody Barton and David Mayo and Khalid Hudson, how they've been covering in space, he's going to get more targets than he has these last four games. He's he said four, He had four catches last week against the Panthers. I expect him to have more of that uh, this week. Behind him, Rico Dowdle. He'll get some rotational piece carries. He's RB2 for this offense. And then Deuce Vaughn, they drafted him out of Kansas State. Pocket Rocket, Deuce Vaughn, about 5'8", 5'9", uh, day three pick. Again, out of Kansas State. You see him on special teams a little bit. You'll see him maybe get a carry or two uh, if the game is blown out and they bring in Cooper Rush, which they did really these last two weeks uh, for Dallas. So, again, the running backs, Tony Pollard, Rico Dowdle, and Deuce Vaughn is going to be their three-headed backfield. On the perimeter, we'll go with the tight ends first. I mentioned Jake Ferguson and Luke Schoonmaker. Jake and, and Luke are both good good weapons, guys. They can play the Y, they can play the F, they got good hands. Um, they're athletic over the middle of the field. Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan, again, their second round pick, rookie. He is he rose in this draft process 
uh, late in the process. Just a big kid. Blocked his tail off at Michigan in that run-heavy scheme. And then now was looked upon as that guy that really wasn't well-refined. Um, or really underutilized is the best word to talk about. Used with Luke coming out of Michigan to where, again, they wanted to run the ball so much at Michigan with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards and behind that dominant front five. Now he's come into Dallas and he's top four on the team in targets. C.D. Lamb is their leader in targets by far. It's him, it's Tony Pollard, and it's Jake Ferguson, the guys that are going to be holstered in this offense. So when they get in the red zone, keep an eye out for Luke Schoonmaker, number 86. He missed time in the summer, missed time earlier in the year. But now these last few weeks, he's been getting more and more targets and more volume in this offense. And he's a weapon that they really like to utilize over the middle of the field, just like Jake Ferguson. Very similar skill set. So when they line in 12 personnel, one running back is usually Tony Pollard, two tight ends, and Schoonmaker and Ferguson. Whether they're wide tight ends aligned outside the tackles, they're both aligned to one side, or they're flexed out in space, they're going to be focal points for Dak Prescott, specifically on those second and shorts, third and shorts, and when, to the, when they get into the red zone. On the perimeter, you know the name, C.D. Lamb. He's their wide receiver one. Big test for whoever's on top of him uh, on the outside this week. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice, Kendall Fuller, the guys up top, Cam Curl, Percy Butler, whoever is there. That's uh, going to be a big test this week. But my focus really is on Brandon Cooks and the slot. He can win over the middle of the field, designated touches as well, and then he can take the top off a of defense. He's been in the league for a long, long time. He's bounced around the league. But he's had success, guys wherever he's gone. And I think he's a guy this week with all the attention focused on CD, he could be someone that burns you. A couple weeks ago, he had nearly 200 yards receiving against the New York Giants to where, look, Deontay Banks was on CD Lamb and they had Trey Hawkins, Cordell Flott on Brandon Cooks. This week, it could be not not Kendall Fuller or then Spencer St. Juice. If it's not Shane Juice, then it's Fuller. Then obviously we're talking about Emmanuel Forbes, right? And hit the issues and concerns we've had with him over wide receiver ones this year and not and with zero help over the top. So, again, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup are their top three. They drafted Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama last year on day two, but he's been bouncing in and out of the lineup early portions of his career. The guy couldn't even understand the playbook from what I heard from people down in Dallas who were just having a hard time understanding what he's doing on the outside. And then they drafted Jalen Brooks uh, day three this year, who's very, very limited volume uh, for this offense. So it is C.D. Lamb, it is Brandon Cooks, and it is Michael Gallup. And then Cavante Turpin's more of that weapon X. You could see him maybe get a carry or two, guys, this week. Don't be surprised. They want to be tricky. Give him um, a reverse or two or a screen or two. And then he's also a special teamer um, for this off, for for this team as a whole. It's really electric kid, honestly. Um, played in the lower levels of football, then made his way up to the NFL. It's been special uh, for this Dallas team at times just to a field flipper. It's what you need. Certain times when they're bigger, high leverage ball games where they need to, to flip the field, getting at the 10, he returns it back to the 30. They get at the 20, returns to the 50. And he can return it to the house. At times, we see Tress Way. If we could figure out the snap from Cameron Cheeseman, he could sometimes outkick his coverage because of the leg that Tress has. But Cavante Turpin is a guy that can absolutely flip the field and to keep an eye on him, not only on offense, but as a special teams guy as well. He's more of their Jamison Crowder, if you will for what he does for Washington. That's what uh, Turpin is for this Dallas group. The attention for me, however, guys, is along this front five. Uh, Really impressive front five. Tyron Smith is still out at left tackle. First round pick out of USC all the way back in 2011. Still playing his tail off. Even though he's battled injuries in his career, he's still battling on the outside. 
They drafted Tyler Smith out of Tulane last year in the first round. He was a physical dominant mauler at Tulsa, uh, just running over people. He really he he was the teammate of Chris Paul um, at Tulsa, and he came into Dallas expected to be that replacement for Tyron Smith. He's bumped into left guard now with the bumpers to either side of him, and he's been one of the premier left guards, guys, uh, in all of football, and there's really nothing else to say about it. Just flat-out fantastic. Uh, look at his numbers again. Second-year guy, bigger kid, 6'6", 330. And when I talk about a guy that is nasty, wants to put your face in the mud, that is Tyler Smith. Uh, allowed one sack all year long. That came in Week 9 at Philadelphia. Maybe a pressure or two at most uh, per week. The most pressures he's allowed one game was back in week 10 against the Giants, so two weeks ago. So he'll allow a pressure or two a game, but that's it. Uh, he's not heavily penalized. He'll maybe get one a game. That's not crazy, right? Not He's not two or three a game or anything like that, but one or two a game potentially. Um, but he's been fantastic. I really can't say it enough for Tyler Smith. Just, just will bowl you over. And it's really good technique. He's worked on it. You see a lot of guys at the college level, especially the group of five teams like a Tulsa. That you know, you're in your Sun Belts, you're in your Conference USA's, you're in the American Athletic Conference. Just you want to see guys dominate. That's what he did. But how did that? How does that skill set translate? And at tackle, it didn't work out. So they keep Tyron there, get him healthy, bumped him in inside next to Tyler Biadash, and he's done a really nice job at guard. Um. At center is going to be Biadash, and then Zach Martin is at right guard, one of the premier right guards in all of football. However, he's allowed eight pressures his last three games. So Deron Payne, John Allen, got to get after the quarterback this week. And then where I think Washington can create their most pressure is on the arm side of Dak Prescott, and that is targeting Terrence Steele, who has also been banged up this week. If he can't go, we'll potentially see Chuma Edoga pop out there or a Sim Richards, who they drafted out of North Carolina this year on day three. We will see. But I do think he's going to be a go. But he's been not great to be nice uh, for Terrence Steele this year. Looking at his numbers here, I'm just pulling them up for you. He has allowed six sacks. He allowed four alone in the Philadelphia game, a game where he allowed a quarterback hit, seven hurries, and 12 pressures. He allowed five pressures against Carolina last week. So whoever is out at edge, right? F.A. Obata, the ugly injury he suffered last week uh, against the Giants. He's out. He's on IR. Another guy's got to step up. K.J., Andre Jones, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill. Someone's got to step up and someone has to pressure him. Do not be surprised if you see Jake Ferguson or Luke Schoonmaker or both guys aligned on that side to give him help in protection or you're going to see potentially... Tony Pollard staying in protection. We used to see that in years past on third downs when they bring in Ezekiel Elliott as that thicker type of back that's not afraid to stick his face in and pass pro. Well, Ezekiel Elliott's no longer there, right? He's in New England. They don't have that thicker type of ball carrier. So they may bring in Tony Pollard to give him some more help on that right side. But if I do think Washington's going to get pressure this week consistently, potentially, it's going to be off the right side against Terrence Steele. So that is... The Dallas Cowboys offense, again, they're going to want to sling it. They're going to be arrogant this week. They're, wanna, they're going to want to put Washington to bed early. That's what their game plan is going to be. I don't think it's going to be heavily, uh, not going to be the run game. I would not be surprised to come out first play in empty or a play-action shot to CeeDee Lamb or Brandon Cooks down the field or a jump ball to Michael Gallup because he's very athletic and contested catch situations and going above the rim. 
And we know Washington, outside of Benjamin St. Just, doesn't have the biggest corners in the world. And if Forbes can't go, well, then it's Danny Johnson, and then it's a guy like Terrell Burgess, or someone along those lines, that's going to have to pop up and make a play. So they're going to sling it around, guys, this week. But it's when you sling it around, Cam Curl, Percy Butler, who I thought has been really good these last few weeks, going to give you some chances to make plays in the football. Who's going to show up? Who's going to make some plays? Who is going to show some damn effort this week on the defensive side of the football? Because recently, haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. And with as many points as Dallas has scored this year, not just in their games as a whole, but at home specifically, and now on Thanksgiving, to when they've played on Thanksgiving, I feel like every single year for, what, 20, 30 years now, they're going to want to put on a show. So let's hop over to the defensive side of the ball. The name starts, guys, the names start, excuse me, with number 11, and that is Micah Parsons, right? Former first-round pick out of Penn State. One of the best, if not the premier, guys, edge rusher in all of football. Um, When we're looking at how to prepare for him, I'm not just going to sit here and say, well, good luck against Micah Parsons. No, there are things you can do to counter him. You can make him rush twice, meaning you align John Bates to his side. Wherever Micah Parsons aligns, you put him to that side. If you put him in the middle, well, you bring in a running back that's thicker, right? Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Chris Rodriguez. All of them are thicker bodies. You ask them to stick their face in and pass, bro, if he's working in those A and B gaps. Got to do it. Again, rushing twice on the perimeter, you align that tight end to his side, you chip him, and then you have him beat the tackle as well. Aligning Micah Parsons, allowing him to align one-on-one with Charles Leno and Andrew Wiley this week will be a disaster. And I do not expect Eric Bieniemy to do that. Now, we saw lapses last week with Charles Leno against Kayvon Thibodeau. Every time Leno faces Thibodeau, Kayvon gets seemingly three, four sacks and about 10 pressures a game. He was excellent last week. Micah Parsons blows Kayvon Thibodeau out of the water right now, fundamentally, as an edge rusher in this league. Kayvon's on his way as a first-round pick himself, but he's not Micah Parsons, flat out. I don't really know if anybody is, guys, flat out, what Micah Parsons can do at a multiplicity of levels. He can roam back and play coverage. He can play linebacker if you want which is what they drafted him to be at a Penn State, but now he lives lives along the defensive front as that primary five technique, whether he's in a two-point stance standing up or with a three-point stance with his hand in the dirt. He's going to get after the quarterback. Washington is going to give up some sacks this week. You just have to keep it under six or seven. I mean, guys, the offensive line has not been great all year. The interior has been better the last month of the season when they made the switches, but still Andrew Wiley and Charles Leno have tests this week. Big tests. Micah Parsons, we know what he's going to do. He's going to be active every single down. He does not come off the football field. On the other side, they have Demarcus Lawrence, who can also get after the quarterback. Then they have Dante Fowler Jr. No relation to me, by the way. If anybody was wondering that, no, no relation to Dante Fowler. But he can get after the quarterback as well, and he has some consistent pressures for this Dallas unit. They drafted Sam Williams, out of Ole Miss last year in the second round. He has consistently been able to get after the quarterback. Upwards of 10 pressures the last two or three weeks. So they can get after the quarterback. Behind Micah Parsons, Dorrance Armstrong, big physical kid, former day three pick years ago, about five or six years ago at this point. He can get after the quarterback. So they have a lot of guys, not just Parsons, not just Marcus Lawrence, but Dante Fowler and Sam Williams and Dorrance Armstrong. And then you look in the middle. And they got Osa Digizua coming down. He could push the A and B gaps. He has pressures this year. Jonathan Hankins is more of that 
gap plugger in the run game. They drafted Mozzie Smith out of Michigan on day one this year. He was their first-round pick. But he hasn't really shown up. He's been more of a rotational piece because there's so many faces in front of him to try to get snaps. But he was a first-round pick, guys, out of Michigan. And, he did this, again, the snaps haven't been there, but he's an athletic freak at his size, over 300 pounds. He's got hands. He's got quickness. He can run sideline to sideline. Again, as a 300-pounder, he is that type of athlete along this interior. Hopefully, he doesn't see a breakout type of game against Washington on Thanksgiving. His snaps have been relatively limited to start his career the first couple months of the year. But there's a reason why they drafted him on day one. And there's a reason why he was so highly touted out of Michigan as one of the premier defensive tackles in the 2023 NFL draft coming out again of Michigan. But this is a very talented defensive front. And then you take a step back. They've lost Leighton Vander Esch, but Marquise Bell, UDFA out of Florida A&M last year, Drafted as a safety, excuse me, undrafted, so comes in as a safety, now plays that hybrid linebacker for them, a lot of what we saw um, with Keanu Neal in this defense a couple years ago under Dan Quinn, plays the second level, can play the third level, just a really athletic piece, similar to how I expected Washington to use a guy like Khalid Hudson and how I expect them to use Quan Martin, but really just hasn't happened. Again, Dan Quinn is going to get after Sam Howell this week. He's going to force him to beat him with his arm which is going to force one-on-one coverage for Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson on the perimeter against their corners, which we will get to in a second. But again, second level, it's going to be Marquise Bell, Damon Clark, kid out of LSU that missed his rookie season with a back injury. He's been playing consistently, basically all year long with a heavy amount of snaps. Really athletic kid, but still trying to figure out the linebacker position at the NFL level. So they play really with just two linebackers on the field. You can see a lot of rotation along the defensive line, two linebackers primarily with Bell and with Clark. And then on the perimeter, it's Stephon Gilmore on one side, came over from Indianapolis, and then Deron Bland on the other side, who set a record with with his fourth pick, six this year, guys. He's got six picks. He's just a ball hawk on the perimeter. It's really, they lost Trayvon Diggs earlier in the year, and then Deron Bland goes, hey, by the way, I can do it too. As a day three pick last year out of Fresno State. Just a, a really athletic piece. The instincts are there. He's become more and more comfortable working alongside Stephon Gilmore. He was really CB3 for this Dallas defense. And then now working more snaps once Trayvon Diggs went out. He is there they're really right now, in my opinion, he's their top corner. He doesn't allow yards in coverage. He's targeted. He's their most targeted corner with 47 targets against all year, but he doesn't give up catches and he doesn't give up yards after the catch if a guy is to haul in the football. Now, hasn't faced a group like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and what we've seen at times from Washington's offense really all year long. Now, he faced Philly a couple weeks ago and he was good. And you could compare Washington's talent to Philadelphia pretty from a receiver's perspective, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown to Terry and Jahan. I mean, guys, it's, it's really the talent is not far off from that perspective. It's just Sam Howell has to be smart this week guys. He's got to be smart. And working over the middle of the field, the intermediate routes, having him cheat just a little bit, and then trying to take the top off a of defense. This week is how I think Washington... That's why I see them having their success this week. Logan Thomas is going to be huge. Forcing Marquis Bell and Damon Clark over the middle of the defense to guard him. Brian Robinson, 
running at this defense, the best way to counter a pass rush is to run the ball at him. That is the best way. However, Washington's front five, from what I've seen, is better in pass pro than as run blockers, whether they're running gap or they're running zone. We will see what Eric Bieniemy exactly wants to do from a scheme perspective this week. But I think it's going to heavily involve Brian Robinson in getting him going early, trying to get him going early, and force-feeding him, and then trying to get guys in the perimeter involved on slants, timing routes, designated touches that we've seen early in ball games, specifically with what we've seen from Terry early in the first two to three series of a ball game. Over the middle of the field, quick little hitches on the perimeter, then maybe taking those deep shots as the game progresses. Deami Brown this week. He's going to be a focal point because beyond Stephon Gilmore and Deron Bland, it's Jordan Lewis who's going to play nickel. And behind Deron, it's Noah Igbenogany who came over from the Miami Dolphins. And it's Nashawn Wright who they drafted out of Oregon State back in 2021 in the third round. It really hasn't worked out for them a ton. They still have Israel McQuamu who can play some corner. He can play some safety out of South Carolina. Really long kid. He actually looks a lot like Sauce Gardner. If you guys are familiar with the New York Jets, Really long kid, but again, drafted as a corner out of South Carolina, but also plays for some safety for them and is a special teamer as well. But it is Deron Bland, it is Stephon Gilmore, and it is Jordan Lewis working over the nickel spot. These guys want to hunt the football and they want to make plays. But when you have guys that consistently are going to cheat and try to trust their eyes and be instinctive, you can take some shots over the top. And look, it correlates, right? If you don't have any time, you can't take those shots. But if you do, Depending on the situation, depending on the down, the leverage of the down, we will see. But sitting back this week, three, four seconds for Sam Howell with that pass rush and allowing Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence to pin their ears back, it's going to be rough. And the game could be over by halftime. But if you're calculated, which I think Eric Bainham is going to do, he understands what the hell he's doing, guys, on offense. This is not Scott Turner at times last year in the last few years to where you go, what the hell is this offense? Why is it so static? It's, it was very static. With Eric, he consistently evolves this offense. Run game, passing game, quick game, red zone. I love what I've seen at times from Eric Bieniemy. Has it been perfect? No. But these are the steps you have to take with a young quarterback. And when you're facing a pass rush like this, you get the ball out of his hands quick, and you have to get the run game going. So that is the Dallas defense. Special teamers? Brian Anger is their punter. Brandon Aubrey is their place kicker who's come in and just been this, I don't even know, this just a really uh, bright spot for this Dallas unit on special teams. He really has missed, I don't think he's missed a kick yet this year. So he's been pretty damn good. And if he gets an opportunity to make it inside in their dome in, in, at AT&T Stadium, he's probably going to make the field goal. So forcing Dallas, look, you can hold him to field goals, bend but don't break. That's the type of approach you have to have for Washington's defense this week. But guys, I'm done trying to expect things from Washington's group. I just have to see it on Sundays. I'm trying. I'm tired of trying to tell you guys maybe how they could prepare, how they could be creative in simulating pressure, what they need to do with their linebackers, fitting the run consistently. Are their corners? Are they impressed? Are they in zone? Who's passing off to who? Who's giving help over the top? I, I don't know from this Washington defense, guys. I don't know. I don't know. There's players. There's talent. But right now, the execution hasn't been there all year long. And I'd be a fool to sit here and say that they're going to hold Dallas under 25 points. I, I, I would. If it happens, then hey, any given Sunday, or at this point, any given Thursday, whatever could happen. 
and Thanksgiving national spotlight. Who the hell knows? I'm excited to see Sam Howell in this offense. I think he's finally going to get some attention that he's deserved for a long time, even though has not been perfect. And obviously the Giants game was ugly. But this defense has got to step up in some way because there's still a long way to go. But this team already has seven losses, guys, and they're already 0-4 in the division. You go 0-5 in the division because, by the way, we face this Dallas team again just a couple of weeks to round out the season, right? They're coming to FedEx Field to end the year just like they did last year. We've already played the Giants twice and lost twice. We already played the Eagles twice and lost twice. Cannot go to 0-5 in the damn division. Cannot. Gotta show some sort of competitiveness and effort and willingness to improve. And for me, it's on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, trying to limit Micah Parsons and this pass rush. Run game. Get Brian Robinson going. Assist and chip Micah Parsons when you can. The tight end's gonna be big this week as blockers. As are the running backs. When you want to drop back. Try to stay away from third sixes and sevens and eights where they can just pin their ears back. Defensively, Coverage is going to be huge this week. Huge this week. Force them to run the ball. Deron Payne, John Allen. Got to claw gaps in the run game. Jamin Davis has got to be better. I say it every single week. Right now, it's ugly for 52. He's got to be better in some facet because he's, they're going to continue to play him. David Mayo, I love the pop he played with last week. I want to see more of it. Klee Hudson, he's going to be big this week as a hybrid defender. But Cam Curl, Percy Butler, Kendall Fuller, and Benjamin St. Juice, the four primary secondary defenders, because again, don't know what Emmanuel Forbes' status is going to be. Hasn't practiced all week with that elbow injury he's been battling. We'll see. It's going to be big this week, and they're going to be tested. Forcing pressure off that right side. Forcing Dak Prescott to his left, not his arm side. Limiting off-script plays. Keeping them out of play action. Limiting targets to those tight ends in the middle portions of the field they, where they want to live. As Dallas always had. Think back to Tony Romo and Jason Witten. And they want to target CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks for big plays down the field. And Michael Gallup, a time or two on those 30-yard shot plays down the boundary. They're going to do it. They're going to test his Washington secondary. They'd be stupid not to test Washington's secondary. They're averaging over 30 points a ball game at home this year. And they watch Washington's defense against frickin' Tommy DeVito. You bet your ass that they're excited to play this defense this week. But again, no expectations from me. I just hope they show up and show some damn effort. Because it'd be really embarrassing and really sad, flat out. If this is potentially the last game of Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera leading this football team, or quote-unquote leading this football team, you go in and get blown out on Thanksgiving. For a rivalry that potentially, that that was in the past. You don't want to get embarrassed like that. You just don't. And get to four and eight. To when now you're sitting there and already I'm going to start talking about the draft with you guys. Don't want to get there just yet. I want to talk about the playoffs. I want to talk about the wild card scenario or in some point trying to win a division because you'd think in year four of a, of a regime, you'd be at that point to where you'd think you'd be competing for a division title. Washington's not there. They haven't been there. And if this regime continues with Ron at the top, I don't know how they ever get there because f- chasing 500 football is what we've known. We've come to expect. So I hope you guys enjoy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy time with family. I will suggest, of course, 21 and over to get some drinks before the game starts because who the hell knows what's going to happen and you might as well relax and enjoy the game. 
I will have a podcast out for you guys on Friday morning, recapping everything. Win, loss, or tie in Dallas. Hoping for improvement on offense and defense and special teams. Cameron Cheeseman, let's get the snaps back, big dog. Joey Sly, let's make extra points, big dog. Let's do it, baby. Let's do the little things. My expectations are at the floor, guys. I'm losing it here. I'm losing it. I'm trying to stay positive. But again, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holiday. It's always a great time. Sit there and watch the 1 o'clock game, the 4 o'clock game, and the night game. And then we got Black Friday football with the Jets and Dolphins, which is going to be fun as well. Enjoy the holiday, guys. Again, I'll talk to you on Friday. Always appreciate your time. You can find my work at Bleacher Report and at the Draft Network. You can find me on Twitter if you don't follow me there already, at underscore Ryan Fowler. So always appreciate your guys' time. Talk to you on Friday morning. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.